the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 and verse number 1. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, have I told you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful truths that are contained in this passage today. Now, dear Lord, I don't know the hearts of everyone here, but I pray that you'll work in our hearts accordingly. And I, I pray that our hearts would indeed be raised in praise and and glory to your precious name, that our lives would be dedicated afresh and anew, uh, God, to you and your purpose, understanding, God, that you have uh, called us also to go and to share this glorious message um, and to live out through this power, this life that you've given us, Lord. So I just pray your will be done in that today. And God, I pray uh, just from my heart, God, that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their Savior, if they do not really get the resurrection, God, I pray that today will be the day that you will show them their need for you and what you did for them. And I pray that they would uh, be saved, that they would turn to you and be saved by the grace of Almighty God. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, I want to say a few things this morning about the resurrection. For one thing, I want to say when we study about the resurrection, the resurrection is historical. Uh, the resurrection of Christ is an established historical fact. If you use the criteria of studying history and accurate history, you will find out that the resurrection of Christ is uh, an, an established historical fact. And it is perhaps the greatest event in all of human history. And the reason I say that is because not only is the resurrection historic, but the resurrection is also fundamental. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. Had Christ not risen, I mean, thank God for His birth, thank God for His sinless life. I'm so thankful He was willing to shed His blood for us on Calvary. But folks, had He not risen again, our faith would be in vain. We would have nothing to stand on if we, listen, some of you have gone over to Israel. And some of you have gone to what they believe is the tomb that the Lord lay in, uh, whether it is or not. But I'll tell you one thing, you, we do not go to a place in the Middle East to worship where the founder of our religion, quote unquote, where His bones lay, right? Because He's alive. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a living God today. Uh, but it, it's, it's fundamental. 
It's fundamental in, the, in our faith. It's fundamental in your faith in Christ. You must believe that uh, to, in order to be saved. It's historical. It's fundamental. And I want to say a very obvious statement, and that is that it's celebrated. Uh, I mean, the resurrection of Christ is one of the more celebrated events that takes place as far as, a, as that the world actually shares in. Every year at this time throughout many countries of the world, the resurrection of Christ is celebrated by millions of people. From the huge religious processions in Jerusalem today, to those in Vatican City, to the disturbing volunteer crucifixion, and scourging that takes place in the Philippines over this weekend, right down to the millions that will dress in their Sunday best, come to church, then later gather with family for a, a great and traditional meal. I mean, it's, it's a celebrated event. But I want to say also that it is a misconstrued event. The resurrection of Christ is something that is very misconstrued. In other words, as wonderful as it is to believe and to celebrate uh, and, and to do it in such an ardent and sincere way as millions do, I'm afraid that a vast number of people are truly missing the point, the real point of Christ's suffering, of His death, and of His resurrection. The vast number of people are missing it. And that's a pretty sad thing, isn't it? I mean, to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that's wonderful. To believe the resurrection of Christ is great. But what if you are today missing the main point of it all? It's often misconstrued. See, the resurrection of Christ isn't something to be celebrated once a year. It's meant to change lives throughout the course of the year. Matter of fact, there's, there's people among us today that you have come to Christ uh, within the last uh, 12 months, within the last year, between Easter. Well, guess what? You got to experience the power of the resurrection this year, amen? And you didn't have to wait till Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday. You didn't have to wait till spring because it's not just to be celebrated once a year. Folks, it is mean to change lives on a daily basis. See, the resurrection, of course, is not only to be celebrated, it's to be believed. It's to impact your life. It's not just to be believed intellectually, it's to be received by faith. Not just believed intellectually, but received by faith. Making the power of His resurrection a part of your daily life. See, I want to speak to you this morning, just for the next few moments, on this thought about receiving the resurrection. In order to receive it, we've got to believe it, but I'm telling you that it goes just beyond belief. See, my question for you on this Resurrection Sunday isn't, do you believe in the resurrection, but have you received it? And I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a moment. I'm not asking today if you celebrate the resurrection. That's not the question. Uh, so many people do. But are you experiencing the resurrection in your daily life? That's the question. Are you seeing it in your family? Are you seeing it in your home? Is it helping you, making a difference to you? Yes, the resurrection without question changed the world. But has the resurrection changed you? 
Has the resurrection changed you? Has it made a difference in you? That's the question today. See, Jesus did not suffer and die and rise again the third day so that your life would still be in the chains of sin and of misery and in religion. Jesus did not do all that He did. There's a great irony. There are so many ironies around uh, Easter and resurrection if you think about it, especially in connection with religion. Even the chief priests, even the religious leaders that had Jesus crucified by the Romans... Even they got to the point that during the course of the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, they had to excuse themselves so that they could go worship the Father. So they could go worship God as they were conspiring against the very Son of God. Man, you talk about ironic. Now you can believe God was not accepting these people's worship, but th th just the point is simple. Today... There's so many that are celebrating the fact that Jesus, I mean, all week for some, I mean, man, he, he, he went through so, so much suffering and pain and he shed his blood and he, he died there on the cross and he rose again the third day. Yet, there are people that have celebrated that this week that then out of the same tongue and out of their same uh, books and uh, catechisms and so forth are being taught that they've got to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Or that they've got to be a part of this certain church. And they've got to, they've got to do, all these do all these things and check all these lists. Folks, that is not why Jesus did what He did. It's not why He died. It's not why He rose again. Folks, He did that because nothing we can do is good enough. Nothing we can do is sufficient. <laughs> I just got to say hallelujah, Jesus did it all. Amen. I'm, I'm glad He didn't leave it up to you and me. Because I want to promise you something right now. We would have made a mess of it. And if salvation really depended on us, and if salvation depended on some uh, church to get people to heaven, man, I'm telling you, it, it would be so weak, so faulty, it would never work. But I'm glad Jesus paid it all. Amen. He did what was... See, He did not come. He did not die. He did not rise the third day so that you would still be in the chains of sin. He came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What a wonderful day, I just got to say this morning, when the light shined into my darkened heart. <laughs> See, I did believe that Jesus died and rose again. I, I know I've shared it so many times, but I'm going to keep on sharing it. I did believe that. I mean, I look back and I can remember Easter being a fun time as a kid. Now, my family, we, we weren't even the type to go to church, uh, you know, once a year on Easter or anything. We didn't go at all. But I did go to some Easter egg hunts, and I, and I remember uh, it being a fun time, and I remember we would have a, a big meal and stuff like that, and I knew kind of what Easter was really supposed to be about. I, I believed that Jesus died. I believed that He rose again, just like obviously millions of others believe. <laughs> oh, but folks, I remember the day. <laughs> I remember the moment. When I heard somebody preaching, Dr. James Ellis was preaching the message about how that Jesus died and rose again, believed that all my life. But I'm telling you what, the light shined into my heart. And it wasn't just something that I gave a, a, an intellectual nod to. I realized why. When I realized that I was a sinner, 
when I realized that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God, and when I realized that God, I had this image in my mind of God being up in heaven, of God having a set of scales in heaven. Anybody else ever have this picture? I had this image of God with a set of old-time scales. And that God was putting all my bad on one side of the scales, and God was putting all my good on the other side of the scales. And I did some bad, and I knew that and realized that, but I did some good things too. I tried to be a nice kid. I tried to, 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 to be good to uh, you know, the, the seniors around me, my grandparents and things. I tried to be a good kid. And I thought, I'd do that. That'll all go into here. I'd say my prayers, especially when I got in trouble. And I'd promise God I'd never do that again if he got me out of this. And then I'd get into it again and pray I'd never do it again if he got, it out, got me out of it again. But all that time, I, it was just, I believed up here intellectually. But oh, man. When I realized that my good wasn't good enough and, and that, 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 I, that I'm a sinner and the very best I got to offer, I mean, in, in, in comparison to God's holiness, that being the standard, it just doesn't measure up. And even the best that I could do, folks, it doesn't negate the, the evil that I've done and the sin that I've done. So I stand in a, we, mankind stood in a pretty hopeless situation, but here's the point. I realized that I was in a pretty hopeless situation. I'm lost. I've sinned. Those little prayers I say sometimes aren't doing it. Trying to be a good person isn't doing it. But I'm glad when I realized, hallelujah, oh, happy day, the, the light came on, and it's like, oh, wait a second. I am a sinner, which I didn't really want to admit, but I got to the point where I could admit I am a sinner. And Lord, I just, and when I realized that's why Jesus came, He died on the cross, He shed His blood, He rose again the third day, so that I could be saved. Man, what a day. What a day when I realized this. He did it for me. And what happened on that day and in that moment, in a sense, you could say that I received the resurrection. I, I believed it by faith. And by believing it by faith, believing with, with trusting with all that's in me. See, there's a difference. The, the difference between intellectual belief and faith, belief, believing in, believing on. The difference is you're put, I put all my faith in Christ. That's the kind of belief. I said, Lord, I'm believing in you and in you alone. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in anything I've done. I'm trusting in what you've already done. What a day when I realized why Jesus went to the cross. Anybody else? Amen. What a day. And so, if you'll allow me to preach this very practical message about the resurrection this morning, I want to say a few things of what it means to receive the resurrection. Uh, I'm going to be giving you a lot of Bible verses. You can try to turn there, but I'd encourage you maybe just to mark these down. Uh, number one, I believe what it means to receive the resurrection is a regenerated spirit. Jesus said, He told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, He told Nicodemus, You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be regenerated. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, Christ's resurrection, to truly believe and receive the resurrection of Christ, means a personal resurrection. The Bible says, you hath he quickened, which means to be made alive, who were dead. He makes someone dead. Someone who was dead, he now makes alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
Oh, my friend, that's where we were. See, our new life in Christ is a direct result of His resurrection. If it wasn't for His resurrected, we would still be dead in our sins. And understand this about death. You say, how are we dead in our sins? I've been alive my whole life. But spiritually speaking, the Bible says you were dead, and I was dead. Because death speaks of separation. What is death, as we think of it anyway, other than the separation of the soul from the body? Nobody's dead until their soul and body are separate. That's what death is. And spiritual death speaks of our spirit, our soul, being separated from Almighty God. Death. But when the Spirit of God comes in, He quickens. He makes alive. So the Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together. Speaking of, you know, think of Christ's ascension. We've been lifted up as well and made, to, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> oh, my friend, what a Savior. So when you're saved by the grace of God, when you're born again, what it means to be born again is to be made spiritually alive. For His Spirit to birth, give a, a birth, to give life into your heart. And the Bible says he's rich in mercy, his great love. He saves us by his grace. But here's what it goes on to say, or goes back to say, Ephesians 1 verse 19. How does he do this? How, how does anyone, how can anyone ever come to Christ? How can anyone come to know Christ as their Savior and be born again? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now, when we think about God's power, He's got a lot of power. The resurrection is an example of His great power. His exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. So now His power toward us, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand. What that verse is simply saying is this. The way you and I come to Christ is that the, the same, the same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave is the same Spirit that births us into the family of God. That when you, and here's the awesome thing. It doesn't matter if you're just a little child or an adult. I'm telling you the power of God, the great and mighty power of God, the same exact Spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave on that resurrection morning is the same spirit, the same power that births us and brings us into God's family. So what receiving the resurrection means a regenerated spirit. See, just as one day the light burst forth in the tomb, the same light erupts into our hearts. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that, that's, what the, that's what the preaching of the gospel is all about. And that's our responsibility as God's people is try to communicate this wonderful message to people's hearts that you can be saved, that you can be changed, that you can experience the power of the resurrection within your own life. 
Think about that. God commands the light to shine out of darkness. That speaks of creation. And just as in the book of Genesis, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. I'm telling you what, the Spirit of God still moves. See, we preach the message. We pray. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit of God that works in people's hearts. And, and how many of you have experienced this? Isn't it an awesome thing when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart? See, I don't have the ability to speak to people's hearts. But I try to pray, and I just try to preach what the Bible says. And I'm telling you, as God's Word is preached, God's Spirit moves. The Spirit of God moves on those waters of the Word of God. And so many times there's people that come in and will say, Preacher, I feel like you was preaching straight to me. That's both saved and unsaved. But I'm telling you what that really is. Is this the Holy Spirit of God moving, drawing. I'm telling you that He's trying to get you to see your... If you're not saved, He's trying to get you to see your need for Him. And if you'll just humble yourself as He shines that light in there, I'm telling you, man, you will experience His mighty power, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So it's through the resurrection that we can be saved that he did it, but it's also through the fact that we must believe that he died, must believe that he died for our sins and that he rose again the third day. God did not make it difficult. He made it pretty simple for us to be saved. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. So He's been raised, you've also been raised as a child of God. So number one, i got to ask this question before moving on. Have you received the resurrection? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you been changed by the truth and by the Spirit of God? Man, if you haven't, I'm telling you the Lord wants to save you today. He, he wants you to experience this today. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. I'm telling you, I may not know what you've done, but God knows what you've done, and He's paid for it already. You may say, well, you, you, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready, man. Today's the day. Today's the day. If you don't know Him, or if you're not sure whether you know Him or not, today's the day to make sure. Because just as sure as I'm standing here today, I can tell you that I know that I've had my sins forgiven. I know that I have believed and received and experienced the resurrection. How can I say that? How can I be so confident? I've said that to people before, and they say, Well, preacher, it sounds like you're bragging. I am, but not on me. I'm bragging on Jesus, amen? Because I'm just telling you what He did. I'm telling you what He did. I'm telling you what He said. He did this for me. He said if I believe on Him, He'll save me. Therefore, I know I'm saved today. I know I've been saved. I know I've been forgiven. I know I've got a home in heaven. Why? Because He said so. Amen. He paid the price and He said if I believe on Him just like I did, He would save me. And if you don't know today, you can know. If your answer to that idea of, well, yeah, I've been baptized. You know, when you get the, th the thought of, you know, have I been forgiven? Am I a Christian? Oh, I've been baptized. I was raised in the church. Uh, I try to be a good person. Understand this. If any of that got you to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to go through what he went through. Jesus wouldn't have had to die, and he wouldn't have had to rise again. 
But I'm telling you, he did it all. Man, my answer just simply needs to be, I mean, you know, I often ask people the question. It, it's, it, it, it won't go like this, but if today you did have to stand before God, and you stood there before the gate of heaven, and God was to say, why should I let you into heaven today? It's not going to happen like that. But I'm saying if it did, what would your answer be? Why should I let you into heaven today? And I'm telling you, if the answer is anything other than Jesus Christ and Christ alone, amen, I'm telling you it's the wrong answer. It's not about church. It's not about any religious act you've done. It's about what Jesus has already done, amen. And so you just need to put your faith and trust in Him. So to receive the resurrection, number one, means a regenerated spirit. Number two, it means a real life. A real life. You just think for a moment about the dramatic change that took place in the tomb. The extreme change that Jesus, that had been brutally killed and crucified there on the cross and wrapped up and put into that tomb, and he was in there stone dead. His body lay there. Now, uh, his, his spirit, I mean, he, he, he was preaching in paradise, but his body was dead in that tomb. But on the third day, all the way from death to life. That's dramatic. And I want to say this. When, we're, when you and I are saved by the grace of God, we too are changed by the Spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of Colossians 3, verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I saw this yesterday. Some of you probably did too, but someone said that at Bethlehem, God, at Bethlehem, He became God with us. At Calvary, He became God for us. And at Pentecost, He became God in us. See, the reality, a real life. See, the Christian life is not just a cheap imitation of Christ's life. See, I'm so glad. Here it is. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by the, the, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the, from the grave. Listen, I mean, that's the same Spirit that brings us into the family of God and saves us. But not only that, that's the same Holy Spirit that remains and resides and abides in us. Therefore, folks, the Christian life is a possibility. Living successful for God is a possibility. Not because we're able, but because He's able. And it's when we recognize that we don't have the ability to do it on our own, when we recognize that even though we've been forgiven, that we are still sinful, we still have a sinful nature, and that we must yield and, and, and let Him live His life through us. Jesus said in John uh, verse number 12, the Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. <laughs> so one of the things that, that not only is there salvation, there's a regenerated spirit, but there's also a real life. Man, I'm telling you, how is it possible to live for God? It's not possible because some people are just better at it than others. There is only one way that someone can successfully live the Christian life, and it's because of the resurrection. It's because of the resurrection that the Spirit of God lives in us, and He's the one who empowers us to be the men, the women, the boys, and the girls that God would have us to be. 
there again, just like we weren't saved by our own strength, we don't live and serve Him by our own strength and discipline and so forth. It's all through Him. Hallelujah. So, so a, a real life. But not only that, also and lastly this morning, the resurrection of Christ, receiving the, believing and receiving the resurrection means number one, a regenerated spirit, number two, a real life, and then lastly, a bodily resurrection of our own. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the de dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. <laughs> so what He's simply saying there is this, Folks, there's coming a day. All those, by the way, that have put their faith and trust in Christ and have died, now we know that their soul has gone on to be with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm telling you, they will receive a resurrection. And you will receive a resurrection when you die and your body is buried, burnt, uh, whatever may happen to it. I'm telling you, God who spoke this world into existence uh, on that resurrection day, He is going to raise you up. You will be resurrected. I will be resurrected. But I'll tell you this right now. I'm not, I'm not looking for the undertaker today. Because I know that I may die and have to experience the resurrection like those who have already died. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Amen? Because I'm telling you what, the Lord could come again at any moment. And when He does, the Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which alive and remain uh, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And I'm telling you, that is the rapture of the church that takes place before the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven years of tribulation. And man, listen to me closely. That could happen. That could happen, see, because he, he rose again and then he, he went to heaven immediately to offer his blood. But do you know that he spent another 40 days? I'm talking about the resurrection being a historical fact. After his resurrection, Jesus ministered on the earth in the, the region where he rose again for another 40 days before ascending. And as he ascended, this goes with the resurrection, as he ascended, the angels say, what did they say? They said, hey, fear not, that same Jesus, don't worry, that same Jesus you see ascending, he's going to come in like manner. You see him going up in the clouds, he's going to come back in the clouds. And I'm telling you, the Lord is absolutely coming again, and he could come again before we dismiss this service this morning. You say, preacher, you plan on preaching that long? No, I'm just simply saying that he could come again before I say my next word. You just better be ready. You got to be ready because I'm telling you, the Lord is coming again. Now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Jesus, the Bible says, is the firstfruits. In the Old Testament, when they would, uh, right before they would bring the harvest in, they would have an offering of firstfruits. And if they were raising corn, the thing they would do is they'd go get some corn out of the field. And before the Lord, they would give an offering of first fruits. But what they'd do is they'd come and wave that corn before the Lord. And this is the first corn that was picked up out of the field. This is the first corn that was put in the ground and died and has come up again. And it's been waved before the Lord. Now it's just one ear of corn. But what that one ear of corn represents is a great big harvest that's about to happen. 
And the Bible says Jesus is our first fruits. He was that first sheath to be waved, to die, to rise again before the Lord. But the Bible says He's our first fruits. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42, the Bible says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. <laughs> it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. I've got to just stop and say right there, I love that terminology. He says that the body is sown, S-O-W-N, like you would sow seed. Now, how many of you ever planted anything? I know we got farmers and planters and gardeners and whatever. Now, how many of you, isn't it a sad day, you know, during planting season? You go out there and you spend all this time and you're planting those seeds, and at the end of it, you take your hat off and you think, well, boy, We'll never see nothing from that again. What happens when you plant seeds? What, what are you no doubt probably envisioning as you drill those seeds and, and, and however it is that you're planting these? What's, what are you envisioning? That harvest. You're imagining the day when it's going to come up again. I love God's terminology, don't you? He said when we die, see, we've had loved ones. We've had loved ones that we've buried. But God's got a better word for it. We have loved ones that we have sown their bodies. You, you, you've sown their bodies just like you planted a seed. Folks, it's, when you sow a body, it's not goodbye. It's more like good night. Amen? I'll see you later. We sow, we bury our saved loved ones with anticipation. We, we visit, I mean, man, I tell you what, I don't know that, you know, generations change, but man, you know, I, I know the generation before me was a lot better about visiting, the, visiting their families' graves and remembering their families, remember their family members. But you know what we ought to be doing when we do that? We're going out there in anticipation. Man, this could be the day. We planted them, and it's been a few years. We planted them, but I'm telling you, they're coming forth again. And understand, I've already said their soul is with the Lord in heaven. But God's bringing that body forth. And so, and by the way, when you plant a seed, you're not going out there waiting for a seed to pop up out of the ground. It's something a lot more glorious than what was planted, isn't it? And that's exactly how our bodies are going to be. See, Christ's resurrection means our bodily resurrection. I like what the Bible goes on to continue to say there in 1 Corinthians 15. As we have borne the image of the earthly... The earthly man, the earthly Adam, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. I like what Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus victoriously conquered death and the grave. Therefore, child of God, we don't have to fear death. And we've got an eternity to look forward to. I'm glad God's blessed us and been good to us in this life, and He has. But I'm telling you, we've got an eternity to look forward to. And I want to tell you something today. I'm, look for, I'm looking forward to seeing some of my loved ones who have gone on, aren't you? I really am. And, uh, I mean, and, and, and I'll tell you, there's some, some people say the longer you live, you start having more on that side than that's on this side. You know, they say you, you know you're getting old when you go to more funerals than weddings, right? Um, 
But I'm telling you, man, for those, we, we have hope beyond the grave. We have hope in this life. But because of the resurrection of Christ, we have the promise and the hope of a bodily resurrection ourselves. I love what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, continuing there in 51, or in 15, verse 51. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Uh, there again, God uses the, the picture of planting for burying our bodies. He used the, uses the picture of sleep for death. And I love this picture. Just read the, listen to those words with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, can you remember, I don't know if you ever had experiences like this when you were a kid, but I used to love falling asleep either in my parents' room or if they were staying up late, sometimes they'd let me. And I like falling asleep in the living room with my parents in there watching TV or whatever they may be doing. And sometimes I would even fake it. Because I was just talking about just as a little guy. Because I liked it when my parents would carry me to bed. But now sometimes I would fake it, but there would be a lot of times that I would really fall asleep. All right? And so I'd fall asleep. I was there with my parents, I'd fall asleep, but then I would wake up the next morning and I was in a new place and I looked down and I had on different clothes too. Mom had put my pajamas on, amen? Uh, and I woke up in a new place and that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that's how death is. You fall asleep in this life and you wake up on the other side, amen? And, and just like when I was a kid, I would, I would maybe say to myself, uh, man, how did I get here? And who changed my clothes? One day, amen, one day, we're going to fall asleep. We're going to die. But we're going to wake up on the other side, and Trey, we're going to say, how'd I get here? And who changed my clothes, amen? <laughs> How's the Bible say it's going to happen, though? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this, more, this mortal must put on immortality. So in this corruptible, this body shall have put on incorruption, a glorified body, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." I preached a very practical message today about the resurrection of Christ. But I did so because the verses I was preaching to you were all about the resurrection and how it applies to us practically. If you're saved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because of the resurrection, because of what He's done for us. And as we stand this morning to be dismissed in just a moment, if you're here today and you're not saved, 